How do people have a baby? What's gay? Um, how does your body work? What is a period? What is transgender? What is a condom? What is a sperm? What is poop? I can't say it. What is puberty? What would it be like to be a boy? But would a boy want to know what it's like to be a girl? What is sex? What is sex? Welcome to What is Sex? Each episode, we discuss one anonymous question we've been asked by a kid while teaching sex ed. I'm Izzy, and we don't have Rebecca today. Uh, and Rebecca and I are two of the co-founders of Yes, a nonprofit that provides sex-positive, intersectional, consent-based sexuality education to people of all ages. We believe it's never too early to start having these conversations. To learn more about us, check out our website, yes2consent.org, and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at yes2consent. So this is our first episode that Rebecca has had to miss, and it's for a really good reason. She is in Reading, Pennsylvania, canvassing all day and all night up to election day. So we're appreciating her for that um, and sad that, sad that we'll have to miss her today. But I am joined by a really special guest who won this interview in our September birthday prize drawing, my good, good friend, Elena Favario. Hi, Elena. Hi, Izzy. Thanks for having me. Oh my gosh, thanks for being here. So Elena is in addition to being my friend of almost 10 years now, um, is a Long Island based actress and she has a YouTube channel where she makes art and shenanigans, the occasional writer of musicals. And let me tell you, her musicals are my favorite musicals. And she's been doing some work with yes, making art for our verbatim page, which we really appreciate. So that's Elena. You can check out her YouTube channel. If you want to Check out my YouTube channel. You can always just search my name on YouTube and it'll pop up. Great. Search Elena's name on YouTube. Subscribe to her channel. Her videos make me think and they make me laugh and they make me cry. There's beautiful, <laughs> beautiful content there. Uh, you've inspired multiple people to make OkCupid profiles, I think, from, from that video. <laughs> if there's one reason I got on YouTube, it was to inspire people to find love. I do a series on my YouTube channel called Have You Met, where I interview wonderful, brilliant people that I know in my life from all different walks of life. So some are artists because I'm an artist, but a range of folks. And some months ago now, I did interview Izzy on my channel. So if you're interested in hearing more about Izzy's journey with sex ed and our friendship over the years, mm. um, you can go check that out on my channel. Nice. Yes, many, many collaborations. I was also in one of Elena's musicals in college, which was really nice of her because I didn't really audition because I wasn't really at the caliber of the other performers. I just kind of came true. at the end of auditions and was like, please let me be in the ensemble and sing a harmony because I love your work. And she said, okay. She was brilliant. <laughs> it's not, it's absolutely not true that you were not of the caliber. You were great. Thanks, Elena. Okay, so I'm so glad you're here to do this episode with me. Um, and we got to, we got to explore Elena's question from when she was little, which is so special. Elena, do you want to say the question? Yeah. My question is why do I have to wear a bra? I was so excited when you posed that because we hadn't gotten any questions about bras from the kids, but as soon as you said that, I was like, oh yeah, that was my question too. <laughs> 
is a big and important question. So I'm glad we're going to talk about it. And to celebrate, I am not wearing a bra today to record. That was a great idea. And now I, I wish that I wasn't. I feel like I should go take mine off and then I come mean, back. Take a moment if you need, if you need to. <laughs> That's fine. So why do I have to wear a bra? So you know that we start these episodes with what is the question behind the question? Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to take some guesses at maybe what was the question behind your question, but you might have a clearer sense since it's your own question. But to me, um, I thought about the question, do I have to be uncomfortable? Like, do I have to like wear this thing that doesn't feel good? Um, as a question behind the question. And then also what else is in store as part of womanhood or adulthood? Like it made me think of those questions about like, or realizing that I was supposed to shave my legs or realizing I was supposed to use a tampon. I was kind of like, what else is out there that I have to do to my own body that seems so weird and uncomfortable? So those were my thoughts. I think that's definitely true. I think there was a level of, of discomfort. And I think also part of the discomfort came from a sense of unfairness that mm. there were things that were being asked of me that weren't being asked of. I mean, at that time I would have thought like a boy wouldn't have to do that. Like, mm-hmm. why is my body doing something that I then have to like restrict? What is wrong with my chest that I have to wear a bra? Cause I think probably there was already like a sense of, of like learned shame in that sense of like, I didn't think that I needed to wear a bra but someone else came in and was like, no, 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 you must. Mm. So feeling really sort of like, why? It's not fair. Yeah. Yeah. I really relate to that. And I really remember feeling like there was this, I mean, I always felt aware of sort of the difference between girls and boys in terms of how we were treated and what we were allowed to do and sexism. But I really do remember like that new level of just like my body is preventing me from having certain freedoms or like my body is like forcing me into some sort of womanhood where I'm going to get seen in these new, um, increasingly gendered ways. And that was scary. Yeah. And just feeling, yeah, I I guess exactly that feeling like there was a level of adultness being, Mm -hmm pushed on me or pushed on how my body was viewed and, and feeling like I remember that even then feeling really young, feeling like I'm not ready for any of this. Like Mm -hmm. I'm 12. Mm -hmm. I don't want this. I'm not interested in this. Like I don't view my body in a sexual way or in an adult way. So, so to have it come from an external perspective was like, Oh, people are looking at me and thinking things about my body that I don't, accept or feel. Exactly. Yeah, I relate to that. I, I think that's part of why as a kid, I was terrified of growing up. Like mm-hmm. I had a huge Peter Pan complex, like to the extreme, to the point where I don't know if I've ever told you this, but um, I, my, it all fixated on my 13th birthday was like the tragic event of my life. Cause it was the end of my childhood because I was becoming a teenager. Oh, yeah. Um, and so the day before my 13th birthday, I just mourned. Like, I just was like, this is this is like a funeral of my childhood. And I made my whole family just like mourn with me. And I was like, this is my last day of being a child. So we have to have 
a whipped cream pie fight because that's representative of childhood and fun that is all going away tomorrow. And of course, my birthday's in January, so it was snowing. So we went out in the snow. My whole family was, it was one of the few occasions in my life where my family was like, we just have to follow whatever crazy stuff Izzy's doing because this is too serious. (laughs) We're not going to try to reason with her. So they all came outside with whipped cream pies. I wept and we ran around in the snow, smashing whipped cream pies in each other's face. And I was like, all right, that's it. That's the end. Yes. (laughs) I think it was all because it was like. I, I mean, it was, it's complicated. I think it, there's multiple pieces, but I think a huge part was like my changing body and the restrictions of adult womanhood that I just didn't want. I didn't want it. I wanted the freedom of, of being a kid and feeling like I could be, um, a little more gender neutral, even though that really wasn't the case anyhow. But I really tried to like wear my giant t-shirts and boys shorts, like for as long as I possibly could. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that it, for you, rotated so much around in age because I still feel like that is really a super gendered concept. I mean, I just had a birthday. I turned 27 and and getting Mm. closer to 30, I've felt that there's Mm. a lot of stigma around age for women who are getting close to 30. And there's a lot of sort of social mythology around 16 for women and then um, 18. (laughs) There there are these ages that, that you hit. And suddenly there's like an extra social element of this means something in terms of your journey as a woman or an adult. And so for it to start at 13. Yeah. You know, I can say that I now love getting older. I have completely gotten over that complex (laughs) and I now just absolutely adore being an adult. And I think I'll love being 30 and I just like, I'm having a great time. So, um, I'm very, I'm very pleased to say that that is, um, of the past and I have really found wonderful things about adulthood and I realized I don't have to wear a bra. So that helps. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Ready for the next question? Yeah. Okay, so next we think about when you first remember having this question and then how you learned the answer. Okay, I remember like hearing about people wearing bras as early as fourth grade. That's, I guess, when people started developing breasts or being told that they needed to wear bras or deciding that they wanted to wear bras. And I got... (laughs) I got a lot of my early sex education from the American Girls body book. <laughs> mm, classic. <laughs> and I remember there is sort of a um, like a, a an image in it of, of girls trying on different bras and sort of this is a training bra. This is a padded bra. Here's all mm. the different cup sizes. So I do remember reading about it. The first time I remember it sort of relating to me was in sixth grade because I had worn a dress to school that was quite like clingy fabric with like rhinestones all over it. And it was one of my favorite dresses. I just loved wearing it because it was shiny and sparkly. Mm -hmm. And I remember coming home and my mom being like, tell me you didn't wear that to school like that all day. And I was so confused. I was like, well, this is one of my favorite dresses. What's wrong with it? And she's like, it's so inappropriate to wear that dress without a bra. And then that weekend we went to Target and went bra shopping. And I was like, very embarrassed. <laughs> yeah. 
um, very confused. And I remember also running into <laughs> one of my friends from school in the bra section with his mom. <laughs> and I was like, this is the worst day of my life. Oh, no. This is the worst. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I can really just like picture that moment and relate to those moments when you're feeling so good about something and someone just like, like pulls the rug out from under you. And it's like yeah. that thing that you felt great about, like, that's not okay. Like, yeah. Just sort of reshaping your whole experience of that dress that you loved. Yeah. Cause I had no idea. I mean, I had never had a conversation with my, my mom. I mean, I, I would mostly speak to my mom about stuff like this, or she would speak to me. And I, I had never had a conversation with her about bras before. So the fact that the first mention of it was like, oh, you've done it wrong. I was like, well, how was mm -hmm. I supposed to know? You've yeah. you've never said anything. I've never said anything. I hadn't expressed interest in, in wearing a bra or going bra shopping. So it was just like a very sort of jarring first experience, which I think then sort of has colored or for a long time colored my my view on, on wearing a bra and, and mm -hmm. feelings about the necessity of it. <laughs> yeah. 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 My, my first experience was also really jarring and a, a feeling that I'd done it wrong as well. <laughs> my, my first memory of having this question or of like really realizing I was, I had to wear a bra, like I needed to was actually, um, when I was in Peter Pan in fifth grade in school, um, which I had a great time being in Peter Pan. I was a pirate and I got to play my violin while the times that <laughs> Captain Hook was like a tarantella and he goes a tarantula. Like I got to play the tarantella. So that was fun. <clears throat> um, but on the day of the show, they divided the gym in half and the boys were on one half of like a curtain and the girls were on the other half and we were all just changing in front of each other, which I never was comfortable changing in front of people anyway. But every single, I, I think maybe, hmm, I might've even said like, I don't want to take my shirt off in front of other people. And somebody said like, well, aren't you wearing a bra? And I was not yeah. in fifth grade wearing a bra. And apparently as I watched everybody else changing, apparently every single other girl was wearing a bra. And I was just like, I can't take my shirt off. Like I can't change. So I like found somewhere to hide um, and changed secretly. But I really was like, how did I miss this memo? Like every single other girl is doing this and I am not. And like, I don't want to, but I guess I have to. And like, I really felt, um, kind of trapped in a really bad situation. So I don't know if I actually started wearing bras right after that, but I probably did. I think that I might've already had a training bra or two that my mom had just like bought and like left in my drawer or something in case I needed it or wanted mm -hmm. it. And I just hadn't, but yeah, then I did. Yeah. Wow. The idea of a training bra has always been so bizarre to me. Mm. I don't know why. Well, I mean, the idea of like training. Yeah. The language is nuts, actually. It's a bit. I mean, that's what it is. They're training you into being a woman, right? They're training you into accepting like restrictive undergarments. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that memory came to mind. And then also um, the next big like shift 
perspective shift I had about it perhaps was all the way, maybe my senior year of high school. Um, when my sister said to me, and she, when I told her that we were going to do this question, she was like, oh, are you going to talk about me? Because she knows that this story had an effect on me. <clears throat> um, so yeah, when I was, I think, a senior in high school and my sister was a freshman, um, she just had this realization one summer, or one one day that summer, where she just said, you know, I just realized, like, boobs aren't the issue. You're allowed to show as much of your boobs as you want as long as your nipples are covered, right? Like you're allowed to show like, you know, lots of cleavage as long as your nipples are covered, but everybody has nipples and men don't have to cover their nipples. So I'm not going to wear bras anymore. Yeah. I was like, whoa, <laughs> what a thought. Um, yeah. And I remember feeling so proud of her as like her big sister feminist. I was just like telling everybody, I was like, listen to how cool my little ninth grade <laughs> feminist sister is. Um, but I did not stop wearing bras then. I mean, my sister and I also have very different chests and like, she never needed a bra for support. So I think that made it extra confusing to her, which was helpful. And like having that realization is like, there's literally no reason for me to wear this except to cover my nipples. And I don't want to do that anymore. Whereas for me, it was a little more complicated because there's like a lot to hold up (laughs) with the bra. And like if, yeah. So, um, but that was just a helpful perspective of just hearing someone say that. And hearing my little sister say it, I was just like, yeah, that, that makes sense to me. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's so useful to have any person around you who will just ask the question why in a practical sense, because I think like I was saying, my question when I was young really came from, this is unfair. It was, it was less like actually why, and more like, like you were talking about the the period episode, which I'll never get over like that cosmic, (laughs) like why, um, and then I, I, I never had anyone in my life, my family, my friends who was like actively saying, well, what are the reasons why one would need to, or choose to wear a bra and, and things like you're saying, like, for example, now I, um, I, I run uh, as one of um, the ways that I'll just exercise or sort of <laughs> try to stay calm. It's like really nice to go out and jog. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I found that you know, in in cases like that, I do have to wear a bra because structurally it's just supportive. And and like you said, it's, it it does, it's necessary. Otherwise it's painful. Um, Mm -hmm. but then also, like you said, I've, I think, um, in my, in my more recent years, when I've done more thinking (laughs) about like, why do I do things? Why, why do I shave? Or do, should I, do I actually want to, or, or what is the reason with Mm -hmm. broth? I've done a lot of thinking about like, well, A, what, what you're talking about, sort of the nipple question, and then B, like the aesthetic question, because I was thinking about, you know, bras over the years, like historical bras and how mm. breasts are somehow expected to be a certain way, like shaped mm-hmm. a certain way. Like mm-hmm. um, it's okay to see see boobs, but they must be either conical or perfectly round or the same exact height or a certain cleavage. We must have push-up bras. And, and it's so interesting to me because a lot of those aesthetic choices are like gate kept by men mm-hmm. in the fashion industry and like what a, a boob should look like. And if you're mm-hmm. not wearing a bra, you can actually see what your breasts look like. Right. And it's not always like the pretty symmetrical 
Perky. Perky. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think that's huge. I mean, I, I actually have not worn an underwire bra in four years and nine months. I was calculating for this episode. (laughs) Um, and I have, I have sort of dealt with some of that like shame about like, well, is it bad if people can see like how my breasts sag or how they spread, right? Like, like they go to the sides. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, is yeah. that bad? <laughs> like, is that okay? Um, so just like learning to accept that and not be like, I have to shape myself into, yeah, I don't know. I was thinking about this too in terms of historical bras because I watched um, Anne with an E in oh. the last year or so, the Anne of Green Gables Netflix show. And she has this moment where she has to wear a corset. Like that's her version of why do I have to wear bras? Why do I have to wear a corset? And like the whole time we've known her, she's just not wearing one and not wearing a bra. And I never even thought about it that she wouldn't have been wearing a bra like through, through high school. But then when she goes off to university, she gets her first corset. And I was really just thinking like, I don't even, I don't have like a great point to make about that. It was just like, it was helpful to be like, oh yeah, like this is all crazy. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know. And her teacher is the only grown woman who doesn't wear a corset that anyone's ever met. And, um, hearing her talk about why was powerful. Cause it's just corsets are really clear how, I mean, they can be fun and they can be comfortable for some people and like help with back pain, but also like they're really binding. Like they really do restrict movement in some big ways. So I just think that is helpful to remember like the, where, where the bra comes from. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that made any sense. No, it did. But also I think, I think corsets an interesting example because like you said, it's, it's sort of this historical equivalent to a bra and binding, mm-hmm. but because it's not no longer a requirement, it's become a choice. So whenever yeah. I like, I've worn a corset before, sometimes <gasps> for, for Me my too. job, cause I'm an actress and sometimes just in my life, I'm not like, and now today I wake up and I put my corset on. I'm like, you know what? Today I feel like wearing my corset. Um, I know how to do it safely. Like there are people who are experts who can like help you pick one and know, you know, if your waist has this natural circumference, you should be wearing one in this size range. And, and it's a choice and you can say, yes, I will, or no, I won't. But with, with bras, Mm. there's, um, well, I mean, maybe it shouldn't be, but at least in the in the sort of community that I grew up in, it was expected. And if you weren't wearing a bra, it was really ridiculed and like, oh my God, did you see she's not wearing a bra? Like you can see her nipples. Oh my God. Like yeah. that sort of and I think fighting against that, <coughs> going against that is 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 really difficult, especially if you're in that age bracket, like we were saying, of like eleven to eighteen. It's it's really yeah. tough. I think that's a great point about corsets and like makes me dream about a post bra world where everyone just gets to choose a bra if it's fun that day and not like, it's just not a requirement. And actually, Elena, I don't know if you know this, but I was one of those corset experts briefly because when I worked in the sex shop, we sold corsets and I measured people for them all the time and laced them up into them all the time. So I learned how to put, put someone in a corset and people who were trying them on were people of all genders, first of all. Mm -hmm. And also were people who were doing it for fun. And like, it was really fun. And sometimes I would have a coworker put me in one that just like wear it for the day at work. And it was just like a costume. Um, and it did actually feel really good on my back because it forced me to have a straighter posture. Yeah. So for short periods of time, it felt great. Yeah. So 
yeah, I was able to have a pretty um, playful relationship with corsets and it would be nice if that was my relationship with bras as well. Yeah. I think that's something I've, I've sort of thought about as I've matured and started to reshape my own choices about what I do with my body and why is like what you're saying sometimes rejecting things. So for example, shaving is, is sort of a notion that I've rejected in recent years because I couldn't come up with a, like a personal reason for why I was doing it. Um, mm-hmm. but I think bras are, are one that in some ways I'm like, yeah, maybe today I won't wear a bra or in some situations I'll be like, yeah, I'm not going to, and it's fine. Um, mm-hmm. but finding ways, like you said, to sort of reclaim them in a pleasurable way, like I'm mm-hmm. choosing this, I'm choosing this particular bra and it's because it makes me feel good rather than oh God, I have to wear it. Um, mm-hmm. That's been like a, a pretty fun journey to be on. That's so nice. I mean, that makes me think of I, something else I was thinking of in pre- preparation for this episode is even as a young person, there were always bras I loved mm. and also bras I hated. Like <laughs> I, it was sort of like, I have to wear a bra all the time. But I really remember like a couple of t-shirt bras from Target that were like gray and like really soft that yeah. I just, I loved that gray one. I loved um, this other one that was, I think like reversible and it was different colors on different sides. Cause it like clasped in the front. I, yeah. So Ooh. that one I loved. Um, so there are ways that some of them were very fun and very comfortable. And then it was making me remember though, like strapless bras. I remember the few times in high school I needed to wear a strapless dress. And because I thought you have to wear a bra, I was like, okay, so I have to wear a strapless bra. Those were really, really bad experiences. So I was like, this is going to fall off. This is so tight. Like everything about this is bad. Horrific. And then it also made me, oh, go ahead. Um, well, I, I just think, I think I'm sort of like going back to your point about corsets a little bit, which is, um, because of how much stigma there is around bras, I think there are a lot of people wearing bras who are wearing the wrong size. Yeah, that's true. I was probably. And that I think can really contribute to the discomfort because I remember for the longest time going into underwear stores or department stores and just being like, pick the closest size, get in, get out and like hide it, hide the bag. No one should know you've got a bra in there. And I'm sure a lot of the reason why I felt uncomfortable was that I was just wearing the wrong thing. Mm. Do you know when that changed for me is uh, my sophomore year of college at Williams. I made a friend who had really large breasts. She was like a something J size, I think. Um, And because of that, she made she became an expert on bras. She had a bra blog and she just always felt like no one really knew how to find the right size. No one really knew how to help her when she was younger. So she made this bra blog. And one time she was like, do you want me to measure you? I was like, I don't, that's kind of weird. <laughs> like, but she was, she was a really cool senior who I looked up to. Um, so I was like, yeah, okay, let's measure me. And she measured me and she was like, oh yeah, you're a, what, like a 34 triple D or whatever. Where I was like wearing a 32 B or I don't even know yeah. what I was wearing. Um, I was like, I didn't even know triple D was a thing. Yeah. Um, And then I went to a store for the first time to buy the size she told me I was, and it was much, much better. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But it was just fun to like have a friend who just had like this expertise and could do it for me. And it was like in her apartment and not like a scary store. And um, yeah, it was a nice experience. (laughs) I actually remember that. Yeah. Yeah, I do remember when you were going. I remember you telling me you were going and you were excited about it. That's funny. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was excited. It was fun. Um, But yeah, in thinking about bras I hate, I do just want to mention, because I feel like we can't have a bra episode and not mention 
that experience when your underwire poked out from the bra that was like pain like it shouldn't have been like that that was an unreasonable amount of pain and I just remember being like in school it was like what am I supposed to do I can't take my bra off so it's just like all day I'm like poking the wire back in the bra and it's poking back out and it's just like stabbing my breast just all day just like a metal wire in my breast yeah and I was like I guess this is what you do sometimes I feel like sometimes I would keep wearing those bras because I would put them back in my drawer and forget which one it was until I was wearing it again oh that was really dark <laughs> times it was bad yeah I know exactly the experience you're talking about it's horrible <laughs> so horrible um so yeah I feel like we could talk a little bit about our um our current relationships with bras which you started started doing sometimes you don't wear one sometimes you do do you want to talk about that anymore or what makes a a bra that is fun for you that you like yeah I think I probably I probably started thinking about it more my like senior year at Williams and then sort of the year after that sort of just being like why why it it was just it was just like a re-examining of 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 the question that I had when I was younger probably like I was saying from a more practical point of view rather than just like, Oh, nah, why it was like, mm-hmm. Oh, actually why? Um, mm-hmm. and, and I think, um, I think sort of interestingly enough, a lot of the, um, catalyst for, for thinking about, about things like that, re-examining my body and sort of like this social norms for what I was supposed to be doing with it came from, I, I had a breakup my junior year and was single, um, for the, for the first time I'd had a relationship and then a breakup. Um, and I, I started to just think like, what are things that I'm, I'm not feeling like I need to do anymore? Like when I was dating someone, I felt like I had to always be shaving my body and it had to look a certain Mm -hmm. way just in case we were going to be intimate. Or, um, maybe if we were going to be intimate, I should be wearing cute underwear or something. You know, there's that expectation of like, my body should maybe look a certain way for another person. And after that, you know, coming back to Williams, being friends with you and being part of the feminist collective and beginning to just re-examine those things in a moment where I was sort of like, well, I'm on my own now. The only person I need to please is me. Like, are these things I actually want or are these things I was like, well, another person will see, so I have to do it. And I sort of began to realize just that like I I have um, pretty small breasts and sometimes I don't want to wear a bra. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's maybe it's okay if if people can see my nipples through my shirt or they jiggle a bit. Like bodies jiggle, boobs jiggle. Like that's actually a <laughs> great thing about boobs. Like as a, as a boob fan myself, I'm like, yes, let the boobs do what they want to do. Like it's okay. And mm-hmm. um. I sort of went really far in one direction of like rejecting bras completely. And then, um, I think, um, sort of in more recent years through trying to come to an understanding of my own sexuality and sensuality and things that make me feel good in intimate ways have sort of come around to like lingerie and Mm. like saving my money to buy underwear and bras that make me feel good and confident. Um, whether or not someone else is going to see them that are just things that I independently really like. Mm-hmm. Um, and also then obviously, like I said, comfortable sports bras for running, mm-hmm. uh, functional, functional and, 
and pleasurable are sort of the two categories I'd say. That's nice. I yeah. like that. Um, that's cool. And when you said feminist collective, that just made me think another thing I don't want to let go by in this episode is just the symbolism of feminists as bra burners and how like, like bras have really become, I don't know, very, uh, like laden with meaning in that way. And I just hear a lot of people, I've heard a lot of people over the years say like, I'm a feminist, but not the bra burning type. Like, don't worry, I'm not burning my bras. Cause like bra burning feminist is really meant to be like sort of like bitter, angry, like killjoy feminist yeah. or something. And I personally really identify as a killjoy feminist because <laughs> enough people have made me feel not fun in my life and I'm just embracing it. And I'm like, like if I'm, if you don't find me fun, maybe there's something wrong with you. <laughs> but, um, I don't know. I just remember learning about the actual bra burning protests that happened that were in particular protests of, um, the Miss America pageant, hmm. which I think is very valid to yeah. protest. Um, and also, and like those protests were very playful and very fun. Mm. And like, just to look back at that and be like these angry feminists burning their bras and like for modern feminists to feel like I have to differentiate myself from that. Like I wear my bras there. I don't know there's a line in West wing, not that West wing or Aaron Sorkin is any definition of any feminist, but I just really, uh, can always remember this like really cool feminist character at one point being like, I didn't burn my bras. I love my bras and I'm going to beat you at this feminist thing, whatever. Mm. I was just like, why do you have to love your bra, Amy? Like, I don't know. So yeah, just like reclaiming the joy and the fun of burning bras in the trash can outside of a Miss America pageant with your friends. Like, <laughs> I think that's great. Uh, maybe one day I'll actually burn a bra, although they're kind of expensive, but maybe an old one that right. <laughs> is worn out or something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's totally valid to be like, this is a bit of a cage for me and I reject it. Yeah. I also think, um, you'll have to tell me if this makes sense or not, but just, just off of what, what that concept of like a bra burning feminist, I feel like it's kind of something that I, I've, I've been thinking about with like bras generally and, and the things we've been talking about, like, oh, it makes me a woman, et cetera. Like this this idea that like bra burning feminism is kind of like a, a transphobic concept as well, that like mm. it sort of reduces the idea of like womanhood to someone who has like breasts and puts on a bra. But obviously like there are people who wear bras who don't identify as women, like men wear bras, um, non-binary mm -hmm. people wear bras. And so not only does it like take it out of the context of the original protest because obviously someone who's going to say something like that is not going to sit down and do the work to figure out what the origins right. of the phrase are. It's right. also like a super reductive thing to say that like, like that, that, that it's like a, a woman thing like that you burn your bra and you're, you're rejecting womanhood because it's, it's reducing womanhood down to like a physical manifestation of like someone who menstruates and who, who wears a bra and, and develops breasts, but that's, that's obviously untrue. So. Right. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. I feel like I, I, now that I, once I talked about strapless bras, it reminded me that <laughs> my, my, I think my senior prom dress was a strapless dress, but it was not very prom dressy at all. It was just like a 
whatever, it was a strapless dress. And I brought it to college. And I, I did wear a strapless bra with it to senior prom. But I think by the time I got to my first year of college, I had stopped wearing any bra with that dress. Mm. And that might have been the first one that I was sort of like, with this dress, I don't need a bra. Because it was like tight enough and thick enough fabric and like strapless bras I was really done with. So I feel like that might have been a transitional moment of like be realizing like, oh, certain dresses might kind of give me enough support without a bra. And I'll experiment with that. Um, and so, yeah, as, as time went on, there were more and more dresses that I didn't wear bras with. Um, but I don't think I ever had shirts that I didn't wear bras with. So mm. that was, that was my, <laughs> my early experiences with um, bralessness. But then after college, when I went to eating disorder treatment... I don't remember how conscious of a decision this was, but I just know that from the day I entered eating disorder treatment, I never wore another underwire bra. (laughs) I think, I think my thought was like, I'm going to be in treatment, like institutionalized. Like I may as well, I, I, I wore stretchy bras. Like I had sports bras, Mm. um, maybe like a bralette or a bandeau or something, but no underwire. And yeah, I think I was just intending to do that. Like while I was living in this institution and like not leaving, the building very much Mm. but it really just stuck and I have not put another one on since then (laughs) and I just had the thought recently like maybe I'd like to try one again (laughs) like just to see what it feels like I honestly don't even remember um so maybe I will end this streak maybe I'll wait till the five-year anniversary and then put on an underwire bra or something for old time's sake (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) but it really has like shown me that there are a lot of options and I know that like again I mean I have not tiny breasts. I don't know if they're significant, but I know that some people have much larger breasts and just absolutely need underwire bras to feel like their back isn't hurting. Um, so definitely like don't mean any of this to shame anyone who finds bras useful or comfortable, but only the compulsory part of it. But for me, I found all these other ways to get that kind of support. So some days like right now, I'm just not wearing anything for support and that feels fine. Um, some days I wear sports bras. Some days I wear like things that are meant to be sports bras, but I wouldn't actually be able to exercise in them. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like they're not very supportive sports bras, but there's something stretchy. Uh, I have some bralettes that I like. I have one bralette that I recently got from Torrid, which is like, I actually find it very supportive. It doesn't have an underwire, but it's like kind of structured. So I really like that. Um, And then also sometimes I just wear like a tank top under my shirt or like, um, you know, something stretchy enough that, because sometimes one feeling I don't always like is the feeling of, like skin on skin where like my breasts touch my, I don't even know what part of this me this is, my belly. It's not, it's not quite that low. I don't know, like my, my lower chest. Yeah. 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 Um, so sometimes I just like some band or like some fabric between my breasts and my body. So I find ways to do that. So just like realizing kind of what you're saying, the practical piece of like, what actually do I want for my breasts or like from a bra? And then I can buy the kind of garment that works to do that thing. Yeah. Um, So that's been good. (laughs) Yeah. I think thinking about things like this has also just has given me a bit more empowerment in my career field because I'm an actor. Um, There's it's like a highly scrutinized field for bodies and and Mm -hmm. for for choices that should be very personal or sort of made very public because in acting school, in the classes, in my movement classes, there was a lot of body scrutiny and a lot of commentary made on on bodies and and choices that was really not not acceptable and not okay and I think it's still sort of 
industry standard that it's like, well, you know, your body is your art and therefore it's okay for us to say and critique it. And I have been in costume fittings and rooms where I have been sort of mandated, like you must do this or, or sort of highly suggested, like, I see you do this. Why don't you do that? Mm. Um, and I think when I was younger, um, I would just sort of conform to it and be like, right, right, right. If I don't do this, then I'll never act. I'll never have work. I can't, I have to, you know, remove my leg hair and I have to, um, they want me to wear a push-up bra. So I, so I'll do it. And, and as I've gotten older, I'll be like, no. <laughs> and actually, if you say no, um, I'm sure it, it obviously varies and, and there are all sorts of contractual things that will happen. But if someone says something to you in the professional realm, where they're like, we need you to do this with your body and you say no, like most of the time it's okay because it's not okay for them to ask it of you. Mm. So I think bras are, are one realm where I've <laughs> been fighting the good fight on that front. There's no shame in any decision that you make about your body, or there shouldn't be. If, if you decide you do want to wear bras, very valid. If you decide you don't, if you want to be anywhere on the spectrum between yes and no, like, yeah, <laughs> totally valid. Um, I think as long as you can sort of grapple with that, the question we're saying, you know, why? If you can come up with good answers for yourself, why? Wherever you fall on that spectrum, you then get to ask yourself more interesting questions, which is like, if someone requires me to do something with my body, it could go the other way. If, if you're in a project and they're like, we need you to take a bra off underneath this shirt. We want to see your nipples. Mm -hmm. And you absolutely do not feel comfortable with that. You get to ask yourself the questions of like, why are they asking that of me? Do I feel comfortable doing it? And if not, like, is it worth it to sign on to a project where, or to be in a situation where someone is requiring something of me? And this could not, not only like a professional circumstance, but like in a relationship, uh, in mm -hmm. your family, if someone is saying, dress this way, um, is it a worthwhile situation to be in? How can you remove yourself from that situation or sort of restructure that relationship to set up clear boundaries that are like, I don't feel comfortable. I'm not going to. And then find an alternate route. Yeah. I actually just got to have kind of that conversation with the Girl Scouts yesterday because I did a... Um, Elena already knows this, but I did a, a consent workshop yesterday with a troop of Girl Scouts in third grade, which was very sweet and fun. And we got to do it in a park, social distanced. Mm -hmm. um, but one of the scenarios I presented to them about consent for their discussion was about a girl whose mom said she had to wear a dress to a party. And she said, mom, I hate dresses. I want to wear pants. And her mom said, if you don't wear a dress, you can't come to this party. Um, and then when she got to the party... And she was like feeling kind of uncomfortable, but, you know, having fun with her cousins. Her uncle said, you look so pretty in your dress. And like asking the Girl Scouts, like, was that nice of him? Was that not like, is, is her, is she feeling better now because he said that? Or is she feeling worse? And we were just talking about like, do you like when people comment on your body? What, and, and they were saying, well, he, he said her dress looked pretty, but that was something that she didn't feel comfortable in. So he's like telling her that the thing that she doesn't feel comfortable with is better than the thing she does feel comfortable with. I was like, that's a great point. And they, they were saying, one of them said, um, you know, when I, sometimes I like to wear a really fancy dress and like look really pretty. And if someone says I look pretty, then I like it. But other days I just like want to wear my pajamas. And if someone says I look pretty, then I don't like it. Hmm. So we were just talking about those contexts of like, yeah, when you are trying to look fancy, you might appreciate somebody appreciating that effort. But when you want to be comfortable, you don't want someone to comment on it. And just like thinking of all those nuances and how that's a consent issue too, of like, 
what you do like to wear, what you don't like to wear, and then how people talk about it. Um, so I really enjoyed having that conversation with the third graders and just like thinking back to my third grade self. And yeah, and I'm not sure we may we may get to this, but I was thinking about sort of what I would have appreciated when I was, you know, in that situation where I had gone to school wearing a dress with mm-hmm. no bra that showed the shape of my my breasts. Um, and like what would have been the useful thing or the useful conversation or, or, or what, what would have made me feel good. Mm-hmm. And I just think that sort of conversation is so, so useful because it acknowledges that, that children like young people have preferences that are mm-hmm. okay. Whereas like, I felt very much like I had a preference that was wrong Mm. and that there wasn't the option I had chosen actually wasn't an option. And I just needed to, to like take a hard left and, and, and change everything that I was doing already. But it would have been so nice to have, instead of that, have someone be like, yeah, you can do that. And here's how to deal with what people might say about it in a way that is like, that will empower you rather than like, well, if you make that choice, you're going to have to deal with the consequences. Cause I think that's also yeah. a sort of attitude that you can often, or I'll speak from my experience that I often got when I would make unpopular decisions. It's like, well, if you want to do that, then people are going to speak about you and too bad. But instead of having like the tools to, to be like, people may say things, here's what you can say. Here's how you can have um, more open dialogue about the choice you've made in a way that will make you feel empowered rather than diminished. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I think that's something I always encourage parents to think about is, um, just giving kids really specific language to address sexism or to address, um, anything that could come up instead of, yeah, instead of trying to protect kids from experiencing sexism, because like we, we can't do that because we live in a sexist world, Mm -hmm. giving them the tools to speak back to it. Um, because like, even though you started wearing the bra, you still experienced sexism. You still heard people make like rude comments about your body, other people's bodies. So yeah, I think, um, it's just really important to be like in this world, some people think that all girls should wear bras. You get to decide if that makes sense to you. And let's talk about how to approach it when that, when people say that to you. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So that brings us to our last question, which is how would you answer this question for a kid? Hmm. Why do I have to wear a bra, Elena? <laughs> um, I think part of the the thought of how would I answer it is always context. And like how I would answer it would sort of depend on if it was a child that was sort of asking me versus like a child that had already had someone else impose a viewpoint on them. You know, someone was coming to me who was like, someone said that I have to wear a bra. Is that true? Versus like, do I have to wear a bra? Um, but I have no plans to ever have children or care for children professionally. So I think sort of (laughs) more generally, I'll, I'll, I guess I'll address it to like young Elena, which is like, if I had had that question and was asking myself now, rather than at that point, my mom, Mm -hmm. I would just be like, you don't, Mm-hmm. Uh, the answer for, for my question then, I think, um, especially remembering how I was in sixth grade, like I was a super open person who was super confident in all of my choices. And like, 
whenever I ran into issues of like, oh, this is wrong, it was always an external perspective. It was never an internal like, oh, I shouldn't do that. I was like, I'm going to do it. And then someone was like, wait, don't. So I think mm. I would go back and be like, you absolutely do not have to wear a bra. Like, <laughs> but I think what would have been useful then would be for me to, to say, Elena, there are going to be people who are going to make comments about your body. There are going to be people who are going to point out the fact you're not wearing a bra or ask why you're not wearing a bra. And here are some ways that you can answer that question. Um, or if someone says something mean, know that it's not, it's not your fault. It has nothing to do with your choice and it has everything to do with, with them. It's not about you. Mm. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I would say also would start with, you don't have to wear one. Mm -hmm. Um, and I would say some people do wear bras, some don't. Some sometimes do and sometimes don't. Um, and it's everybody's choice, uh, whether you wear one, whether you don't, whether you do sometimes. And there's different reasons people wear them. So some people wear them for support because breasts can be very heavy. <laughs> you can't see, but I just picked up my breast <laughs> to demonstrate that. I would not do that with a child. Let's hope. Um, <laughs> breasts can be very heavy. Um, so bras are built to support that weight so it's not all on your back so that's one reason that people like to wear them uh some people wear them to stop their nipples from showing through their shirts because some people see their nipples as something private and they like to cover them up and some people like the way bras look in the same way that they like how other clothes look and so they wear them for fun um and also some people feel like they have to wear them, which is unfortunate because it really should be everybody's choice. Uh, and there's also other options for support if bras don't feel right to you. So there's sports bras, which are more of a stretchy thing rather than a structured thing. And there's binders, um, which is if you want to make your chest flatter and feel sort of supported that way. Um, and there are corsets. There are all these things out there in the world that can give you support if you want support and don't want to wear a bra. Um, and it's also fine not to wear one. So those are my thoughts on, on the reasons, the, the answer to why um, people wear them. But I also love what you said about, like, if you don't wear one and somebody says you should, like, let's brainstorm through what you can say. Mm. So, yeah. I love the word support generally. Whenever, whenever we're talking about bodies, I just love the word support because it just makes me feel like the bras are like, you can do it to your boobs. Yeah. Like you've got this, we've got you. And, and I would like, definitely wear a bra that said you got this. On yeah. It. It's like giving you, giving you a, a nice hug. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it feels like that. If you have a really comfortable bra, That's it can true. feel like a nice hug. Yeah. Cool. Any other thoughts about any of this? Yeah. I guess also just, um, just sort of like to circle back around. Um, I think a lot about like, I've been thinking a lot recently about like gender and like mm -hmm. the gender binary and, and the sort of gender spectrum and have been sort of questioning myself about like, well, is, are there things about me that inherently make me feel like a woman? And, and recently I, I've been sort of beginning to reject like binary labels for myself. And mm -hmm. I think um, something that's super useful is, is just remembering that like wearing a bra does not inherently make or break your womanhood. If you identify as a woman or don't identify as a woman, like 
um, there's a strong association, or at least there was in my childhood of like, when you get breasts, you're becoming a woman. When you get your period, you're becoming a woman. And, and I mm. definitely, at this point in my life, reject that notion. Um, like mm. men can wear bras, <laughs> non-binary folks can wear bras. Um, women can wear bras and women cannot wear bras. So mm-hmm. if you are a person who wants to wear a bra and, and you don't identify as a woman, like that's so fine. It is so fine to do whatever you want to do with your body, regardless of your gender identity or expression. It's so up to you and, and don't let people tell you um, because you're doing something, you are this thing. Like you get to decide that. No one else gets to decide it. I love that. What a great <laughs> note to end on. <laughs> wow. Elena, thank you for buying prize drawing tickets so that you got to be the, the interview winner. And we got to have this delightful conversation and we miss Rebecca so much, but I'm glad that you were here with me if she couldn't be. Yeah, I'm really happy I won because I got to support Yes, which is a brilliant organization, and I got to be here, and this was loads of fun. So thank you for having me. So delightful. All right, so once again, I want to thank all of our sex ed sustainers, which are people who give $12 a month or more on our Patreon. So those are Leonard, Katie Gifford, Molly Waggett, Alexandra Wolkoff, and Susan Abraham. Thank you so much. And Elena here is also a patron. She's a sex ed supporter. Um, <laughs> so you could be a patron of any level from $1 a month all the way up to being a sex ed sustainer at $12 or more uh, at our Patreon, patreon.com slash yes to consent. That allows us to pay our guests and pay our hosting fee. And we keep hoping that one day we'll be able to pay ourselves. So help us make that happen. And thank you so much. Thank you, Elena. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Sorry that I keep making you say that over and over again. That's okay. (laughs) (laughs) This podcast is hosted by me, Rebecca Klein, and Izzy Abraham Raveson. Edited by Izzy Abraham Raveson. Original music by Austin Alfano. Artwork by Rebecca Klein and Jackie Soro. And a special thanks to the young people who asked the questions and inspired this podcast. A special thank you to Mike Morangello for mixing this season. 